0: episode is part two of a two-part series. So if you haven't already listened to part one, hit stop, go listen to part one, and then come on back and join us for part two. Welcome to Krina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Krina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we're so happy you are here. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about the things that we love, women and work, because, you know, we want your workplace to be happy and joyful and full of satisfaction, even if your workplace is in the middle of your living room these days or on the
1: brown couch in your TV room.
0: That's right. Just like Kirsten. So today we're doing part two of our two-part series on change and transition. But before we jump
1: into that, Kirsten, how have you been in the last
0: week since we talked?
1: I'm doing great. I mean, you know, I do waffle back and forth between (laughs) despondency about some of the things going on, but generally I'm good. I'm really good. What I'm fascinated to see, though, is we're just heading into election season. And last night, I participated in a Facebook kickoff campaign meeting. Is that what you call it? I don't know. A virtual something. For a wonderful woman here in our town, Lisa Keeler, which was very interesting. It was like, there is a new way of doing things. And you and I were just asked to co-host another kickoff campaign. Yeah,
0: for Representative Deborah Lekanoff.
1: We're going to do that in the next couple of weeks, in fact. Which is going to be very interesting. How is it that you make these, what are usually in-person, exciting, interesting, energetic events, how do you transition to that online? Big challenge.
0: Yeah, except for you and I are so entertaining, I think we'll be fine. (laughs) And Deb is a phenomenal speaker and legislator. So everyone tune into that. It's coming up on April 30th on Facebook. So follow Deb if you want to listen in. But I think you're right. It is interesting. This whole notion of virtual kickoffs for campaigns is just like one of a million things right now that people are innovating and trying to figure out how to navigate in this ever-changing environment. It's totally apropos to our subject. I have to derail us, though, for one second and tell you the story about Easter.
1: You know I love Easter stories. Since I'm the only person you know who believes in Jesus, you can tell me <laughs> You can tell me your Easter story. Wait, Easter's not
0: about candy and the and a bunny rabbit. <laughs> and bunnies? Okay, don't tell my kids. So they're old enough now that we do creative things for some holidays like Easter and this year I thought I was going to do a scout. I did a scavenger hunt. Treasure. It was a treasure hunt. They're different. So where you know, you get a clue and then it takes you to the next clue to the next clue to ultimately find the treasure. And at each clue along the way, I left for my children some chocolate. But I did intentionally leave them dark chocolate, which they do not necessarily like.
1: Which is a problem with their judgment. You know, that is a Judgment problem if you do not like dark chocolate. I think they're adopted because they don't like dark chocolate. (laughs) So
0: so like by the third clue, they're looking at me like, oh my God, seriously dark chocolate? And in fact, I started to get like negative comments about how I, mom, we all we wanted was Reese's peanut butter cups. And I swear in my mind, I was thinking... Yeah, I know. And this is all planned to force you guys to just like do so. Anyway, it was all totally planned. And in fact, the treasure at the end of the rainbow was a big bag of Reese's peanut butter cups, the things that they really wanted. But it was hu- hilarious. Watch my kids squirm, receiving a gift that they didn't really want. And I'm going to tell you.
1: And complaining about it. It didn't go very well.
0: Yeah, it was not the most graceful. It was not the brightest light for them. But honestly, I felt like
1: the greatest mom ever because I was like, yes, got ya. (laughs) Well, see, here is the problem. I think this whole story, there's two issues with it. One is the children who are not grateful about their chocolate. Entitled. <laughs> and the other is like, don't they know you? Like, don't they know that you're going to like kind of just yank their chain a little bit? I was like, come on, who's your mother? I
0: know, total prank on a holiday. Isn't that what Easter's all about? Anyway, it was one of those like moments of levity and lightness for us in our family. Well, for me at least. <laughs> Watching my kids squirm. So lots of uh, change and innovation in my house, including forcing my kids to... You know, be grateful for something that they don't like. <laughs> that was my way of transitioning us back to the subject at hand, I guess. Oh, we should also mention Kirsten is on the phone. So sound quality is a little bit off because we're honoring the stay at home orders and staying at home and recording in our respective homes. So that was my little public service announcement.
1: Nice, Karina. Thanks. Very nice. So let's let's do this. Let's talk just briefly about what we talked about last episode, just to kind of get ourselves centered for part two, which is what I think is the fun and interesting part of this two-part conversation. So,
0: Okay, so let's recap what we talked about in our last show before we kind of move into that final phase of innovations. So what we were talking about in our last show was a very personal journey. You know, when we were talking to people who needed to acknowledge that there there had been a loss, whatever that loss was, or multiple losses, and be okay with that, sit with that, honor your emotions and your feelings, and then kind of move down this path of transitions into the neutral zone and ultimately where we're going to focus today, which is in new beginnings where innovation happens. But we also recognize that that was sort of a blanket statement. That's a buckshot approach to this. And we weren't able to dig into individualized changes, individualized impacts because everyone is experiencing things differently. Some of our listeners are working harder than ever. Some of our listeners don't have any work. And some of our listeners are members of communities or populations that are impacted significantly, more significantly than others. In fact, we've seen in the news and in reports that, for instance, African American people are dying at a higher rate than other Ethnicities or minorities. We're seeing that Latinos and other minorities are being impacted more significantly financially. They run the risk of losing jobs or losing income more so than whites. And so the thing that I think was interesting is interesting just to just kind of sit with as we move through this is that we're all experiencing change and there are people in our communities that are experiencing deeper and more profound change than others. And so when we kind of move into this conversation about innovation, about the things that we can do as a community, about the ways that this pandemic may change how we operate. I think it's important to also hold this
1: information about how there's opportunities to... This has pointed out. This epidemic has brought to the surface again some of our weaknesses as individuals, as a community, how we do things and show us what the opportunities are.
0: Yes, exactly. And some of those opportunities are to take a hard look at the inequities and do the hard work, take this opportunity to make some change.
1: Yeah. I think that that is the exciting part of this two-part series is getting into innovation and change. And one of the things that Karina and I wanted to do in this episode is I see this all the time. The best predictor of the future is the past. And so a little bit of what we're going to do today is to look at the past and what's happened in the past with the pandemic and how that's changed societies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so given that, let's talk about just for a moment. Let's just review the endings phase. Maybe I'm going back to that because that's where I've been this past week. I've been reviewing the endings phase over and over, over and over. William Bridges, we should
0: we should mention, yeah, also that this is our conversation is based on a on a model developed by a man named William Bridges. We got to give credit where credit is due.
1: Yeah, his wonderful change model. Based on a lifetime of incredibly interesting academic and personal work. So anyway, William Bridges. So the endings, letting go, mourning, loss, especially identifying what you're losing. And what's really interesting too is we had no notice of this really. I mean, people would say we did, but for most of us, I don't really think I foresaw a 5,000 piece puzzle in the middle of my dining room and my almost grown children back home. And I think without that, Kind of notice that, you know, things come as a surprise. I, I go back to my kids at the playground, and every time I said to them, Hey, it's 10 minutes and it's time to go, they were ready to go. But if I just said, Hey, it's time to go, they didn't have a chance to go, right? They were just, they didn't have a chance to prepare themselves to go. And I really think that without that kind of notice of transition, it's harder. And I think that's where we are with this.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that first phase is like getting grounded in the fact that everything is different and dealing with your emotions, your personal emotions around it, right? Just like your kids in the playground.
1: Yep. And hopefully when we do that, we can then move into the neutral zone, the bridges neutral zone, the in-between time when you recognize the old is gone. You're not really sure what the new is going to look like. It's still uncomfortable. You may be like me and just be like needing more sleep than you've ever needed before. And be careful. I think for myself, I, maybe I'm talking to myself more than anybody else, but this is where folks can get stuck, right? I mean, Karina, I find sometimes that I can just get a little paralyzed.
0: Ultimately, where we want to get as individuals and as a community is into this final phase of that Bridges mentions, the new beginnings, which is a place that totally feels different, where new identities are formed where new ideas are formed, where we as a community and also as individuals have more energy, we're open to learning, we're open to implementing new things. And, you know, I have to say in my own life, I feel like I'm finally getting there, you know, after a month of stay at home and a month of sort of grieving loss and figuring out the next thing and feeling low energy and really not feeling like I had a direction or a purpose for more than a day or, you know, an hour or two a day. All of a sudden, in the last week, I too have felt like, okay, oh, hey, I can do this. I wrote a blog story, and you know, posted it on my website. We're launching this virtual happy hour for executive directors. It's like the energy is totally different. I feel the possibilities in my own personal life starting to materialize. And that's really where we want, I think, folks to get. Have you had any experience with that too?
1: You know, Krina, it's interesting. As I said last time, I think I'm a little bit more in the slog of too much work and just trying to get through the things in front of me. And I think in many respects that, I don't know if I've processed it really well, but I do think I... Have some acceptance. I do think I have some energy about seeing what the future looks like and how we do business differently. I have been thinking about what does our office look like? Do we need this? Do we need that? There's a piece of technology I would like us to have with regard to phones and phone calls. So I guess if I really dig down, the answer is yes, I have had a little bit with just now making me feel happy. As I think about it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's really a cool place to be. And in fact, people who study and write about bridges say that you just can't fake it. That once you get into this phase, when you find that yourself in this new beginning phase, you'll know it. The energy is different, and you can't fake it. And it sounds to me like you're getting there. And it's interesting though, because history shows us that whole communities move into this phase of new beginnings in the face of or in the midst of major change and even other pandemics. God, that Smithsonian article was
1: so good. We're going to post that on our show notes. You read it. You loved it. Karina found this wonderful article from the Smithsonian, how epidemics of the past changed the way Americans lived. And it was just really one of those things, like I said in the beginning of the show, you know, the best predictor of the future is what has happened in the past, right? And if we look back at how pandemics have shaped our humanity. It is very, very interesting. And the one that I think for me was the most like, wow, this is super cool. And it kind of shows a path forward. I like a path forward. So I think all of us know about the Black Plague and just a terrible, terrible, death and loss of life and it lasted a really long time. And it was really scary. And It was just a terrible time. But what I did not know, I really understand from a historical perspective is that it kind of led us into the enlightenment. And what I found most interesting was it changed the way people worked. Because before the Black Plague, people were serfs and they kind of worked for kings or Lords or whatever that whole landowner deal, and after the Black Plague, there was a shortage of labor, and so people who wanted their land to be farmed ended up having to have to pay those people, and so it really was the beginning of you get paid for your labor, right? And I thought to myself, wow. I mean, it was almost like if we could shift our society. Where everybody was paid for their labor in a way that allowed them to sustain their existence, like to have an existence. I was like, this would be revolutionary, and we've done it in the past. Maybe we can do it again, right? So the Black Plague, the Enlightenment, and then folks being paid for their labor. What a concept, right? And other
0: major medical issues have also led to you know, sort of radical changes, things that we just take for granted. The same article mentions that tuberculosis, typhoid, and cholera were all responsible for really shifting hygiene and water treatment and sewage treatment and even how homes were designed that doctors were sort of prescribing fresh air as one of those things that would help cure you of these things. And so homes started to be designed with windows and porches. Like, are you kidding me? That's just stuff we just take for granted that came about because
1: of. Because of pandemic. Because of a pandemic. Because of pandemics and learning things and recognizing the things that we did that made us sick. I think this is an opportunity, this one, this particular pandemic is an opportunity for us to look at what makes our souls sick. Like, I think we've begun to have, I mean, we're certainly making medical innovations with this thing. It's great. Our healthcare providers are amazing. But I think this is also an opportunity for the soul.
0: Yeah, and in fact, Sonia Renee Taylor, who is an author and poet, spoken word artist, speaker, she actually is the founder of the Body is Not an Apology movement, which, hello, I can get behind that, had a beautiful quote. It's been making its way on social media. And, you know, it's a little bit long, but I got to read it because it really spoke to me. She says, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We're being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature.
1: I know, it makes me all weepy and teary, and but this is what I'm talking about. This is an opportunity for us to heal our souls. Exactly.
0: We've seen how crisis and pandemics can catapult a society into the next phase, into the better, into taking a look at the way things were and choosing those that we want to keep and leaving the rest behind. And that is happening to some degree. but I think that there's a, you know, there's a, an opportunity to do so, so, so much more.
1: Yes, and you know what also gives me goosebumps and makes me tear up. And you're going to crack up when I say this. The TB epidemic, isn't that a crazy thing to say? I
0: I love that. That is not what I expected you to say, the tuberculosis. That's what gives me
1: tears and goosebumps. Exactly. No, but it does because here's what I mean about it. This is the thing. We keep talking about this. Out of great grief and great loss, there are these wonderful gifts. And it's our job as humans to try and hold on to those, to hold the tension of the grief and the opportunity. And sometimes that's not possible, but so many times it is. And in that Smithsonian article, there's a wonderful part about how the TB epidemic and the yellow fever epidemic of 1793 in Philadelphia Really prompted the ethos of altruism, like taught us about giving to people and giving to people you didn't know. And it's like people stepped up to just really save their city and to give what needed to be given. And there was a group of Black people, Free African Society, that was really the leader in Philadelphia of stepping up and being hospital staff, serving in hospitals, taking care of the dead, performing medicine I mean, it just was crazy all the things they did to really lead the way and show us what, as you know, is so dear to me, is altruism and how we care for each other.
0: Yeah. And again, I think we're seeing some examples of this today. I'd like to see more. Just today on social media, a community leader posted that he received his stimulus check right? And kind of went on about how, you know, in a perfect world, those checks would have gone to the people who needed them, not to everybody, but we needed to move quickly. So it was basically anyone who paid taxes and whose income was under a certain amount is getting the same dollars. And he said, it couldn't be a perfect system because we needed to move quickly, but a perfect system would be that those of us who don't need it, give it to people who do. So take it to the grassroots level and recognize, you know, hey, I don't need this, but someone in my community does. And so he was recommending various organizations to donate your stimulus check to. That is exactly the opportunity that we have in front of us on a daily basis. So we get to choose. We get to choose if we're going, how we're going to honor the. Farm workers who are bringing us our food? And are we going to, as our friend Carrie mentioned to me yesterday, you know, are we going to hold our government accountable to protecting their lives and their safety when they're bringing us food? Are we going to make sure that our vulnerable populations are cared for and fed
1: and warm, you know, on cold nights? The thing that has been weird for me, Krina, honestly, about all of this is that the people, I mean, we do have. We have hospital workers that are clearly on the front lines, and they have the skills and the training to manage that. But the other people like who are on the front lines are the people doing the food, whether they're restaurant workers or grocery store workers or even ag, because it's planting season. They're all out planting. What's weird for me is I look at that group of people, and they're some of our lowest paid workers. And... They don't have the protection, the training, the skills that the folks that are in the hospital. And I just, I look at that and I think, that is really messed up. That's the part when I think there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for change.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I see a lot of like, we should wipe everyone's education debt off the books who's in the medical profession because they're on the front lines of this. And I was thinking... No, we should make education free so everyone has an opportunity to go.
1: Yeah. I felt the same. When you said I was like at the hour, the same thing, it's like, I think that it's those vulnerable folks that really it's an opportunity. We now can see it. It's pretty stripped bare. One of the things that just cracks me up is like, cracks me up in a negative way because if not, I would cry. Is you know, for years I've heard, oh, we can't afford this. We can't afford this. We can't afford to give people health care. We can't afford to do this. We can't afford to do that. All of a sudden we can afford to do it, right? All of a sudden we can afford to do it. So that was one of the big innovations. I was like, wow, all of a sudden we're innovating. We can afford to do this. So this part of the conversation for me, looking at back in history, looking at what's beginning to happen in our, our own society has been kind of what has been hopeful for me and allowed me to kind of turn myself towards what's possible in the future and less about just how much grief I have over what is going on. Do you know what I mean? Like those kinds of things. But Krina, when you and I were talking smack, we were talking smack and popping off as we often do. Last night. Last <laughs> 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 one of the things that we were doing or we were we were giving each other some predictions about what's gonna happen. So I've got my like fortune teller turban on and all of my rings and jewelry. And Corinne and I are going to make some predictions <laughs> for the future. The first
0: one is that sweatpants are going to be universally accepted in all cases at this point.
1: Sweatpants are the new norm.
0: Sweatpants or sweat shorts. You know, as we're getting
1: warmer, it's the new, it's the new little black dress. (laughs) It is the new little black dress.
0: You know, one of the predictions, though, in all seriousness, our friend Andy mentioned to me yesterday. She said she hopes that people start taking more personal responsibility for their own care. You know, because you're not going to the chiropractor for their own health and care. You're not going to the chiropractor. You're not able to go to the dentist as frequently. You're not, you know, going to get massages or at the gym. It's There's no external sort of pressure or assistance for many of us. So I thought that was kind of a cool, I
1: guess, hope. That's very interesting is will people take more individual responsibility for their health? Yeah, for their health, for their food, working out, etc. Yeah, and if my daughter is any indication, I am predicting a mass movement to home wax and dye. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter received a home wax kit and I was like, what? You're going to do that to yourself? And she was like, yeah, it's no problem, mom. And I was like, oh, let me get through dinner before we talk about this anymore. And then I have another friend who had her, the woman who does her hair, drop off the actual coloring that her her hairdresser uses with a video instruction of how to use it.
0: You know, it will be very interesting to see how this reshapes work. You know, I know some people are saying, my God, not another Zoom meeting. I cannot handle it. But at the same time, if the people who are balancing the budget recognize that having everybody work from home half time saves a tremendous amount of money on rent.
1: I also think, too, that everybody has gotten much better about doing things online, right? Placing orders online, transacting business online through different pay systems. And so I think that we're going to see a real shift in how people pay.
0: You know, and also education. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is that equity means that everyone has access to the internet. And so moving the internet to become a public utility You know, everyone should have the right to have internet and we're seeing that it's like roads and water. And also my kids recognize that now that their schools are getting so adept at online learning, no more snow days. I think that this is the end of snow days, you know, like, okay, sorry, it's snowing, we can't get to work, or can't get to school, everybody's got to jump online. So again, these silver linings, perhaps, are opportunities for us to, you know, and I'm not going to say those are all great. You know, every time that you move digital instead of face to face, there's a loss of connection and a loss of, you know, personal.
1: I'm going to challenge that, Karina. I don't know if I agree with that. I think for us, it's different. I think it's different. Like we're having these FaceTimes with my mom every night at dinner. And at this point, we've done it every single night since we we started our stay in place about a week before the governor asked us to, that was nice, ordered us to. And I'm going to say that it is almost as good as in person. I mean, I can't hug her, but I. that's what I kind of, I think I mean by this whole part of the show. It's like, I do think it might be okay in the future. I think it might be okay to have all your Zoom meetings and in-person might be great, but even for schools, it's like, maybe you just go to campus for one week, right? Maybe you don't go to campus for the whole semester. That's just an interesting shift. And I also think, okay, this is mine. I know we've been going on for a while here. I have to get to the end of this and going on for a while. I hope, I hope it's like, I hope it's slightly entertaining. One of the things I think we're going to be doing is rethinking how we make money. I really do. A good friend of mine, Lynn, said, she sent this thing around and she said, in hard economic times, you want to dig deep, provide really good service, and look for the opportunity to serve your client, right? And so I think that kind of an outlook is going to lead us in to rethink how it is we make money. Where are the profit centers? Where is the value? And I think that's going to be really interesting, and I also am really pressing hard on government because they are doing things faster, quicker, with more innovation right now, candidly, than even the private sector, and they can do it, and I think – That's part of my prediction that we, where we started this show, it's election season, it's kickoff season. We all need to get out there and vote and demand that fundamental change to our infrastructure and how our society is structured, right? So I think that government has shown us they can do it. And I'm going to do some pressing on that to get more of that to happen. So that's my prediction is that we're going to be pressing on government to do the things that they need to do.
0: Yeah. And you know, one final prediction, I think that we're also going to see government and others use this as an opportunity to cram their ideas through when we're focusing on other things, when many of people are in the endings phase, and just dealing with their emotions and trying to figure out how they're going to get a grip. And I think that, you know, my call to action here is to pay attention to things other than coronavirus, you know, numbers of the day, and start to watch, engage in government, engage in decision making, engage in your community, and see what is happening. Naomi Klein does a, has a great video online where she talks about how there are Times in history, not only where silver linings and innovation happen, but where the ideas that have been laying around for a while get picked up and get taken to the finish line or the goal line because of the crisis, because the crisis creates an opportunity. And I think we're seeing that at the federal level with the rollback of some of these environmental regulations with the, you know, foreshadowing of getting rid of social security with a lot of things that are going to lead to a less equitable society. And we want to be personally, we want to be moving. We meaning me and all my multiple personalities want to be moving <laughs> to a, uh, more equitable society. So again, the silver lining is there if we harness it and if we participate.
1: And I just want to, this is like my cautionary tale, right? I have, as I've said before, my good friend Lynn said, if you can't be a good example, be a horrible warning, right? So I love that line, different Lynn than the first Lynn. Seven years ago, I had breast cancer from which I recovered and have been cancer-free for a long, long time. And I call it my, yay, my baby breast cancer. And the reason I bring that up is I had an opportunity in my life to make a change about how I did things, and I didn't. And so it took me another eight years To make those changes, right? And I knew when it happened, it was an opportunity for a change, to change how I treat myself, how I sleep, how I care for myself, how I live in the world. And it took me another eight years to get there. And I think I've pretty much gotten there, but it's been a really long haul. And I think there was an opportunity that I had back then, whether I was scared or I don't know what it was, but I guess my cautionary tale to our dear, dear listeners and our bigger community is let's not lose this opportunity. Because, you know, not taking it has a painful cost. You know, they're a painful price to pay for that.
0: Yeah. And as Sonia said, the painful price is continuing that long list of things that we do not want to continue.
1: That is not normal. Do not continue. Right. Do not continue the
0: abnormal. Do not continue greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack.
1: With that, my friend, are you ready? I'm ready. There's an opportunity and let's get out there and do it.
0: Yeah, I'm ready to seize the day. Thank you so much for listening, for working, for being with us. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. On our website, or email us at yougettowork@gmail.com at
1: Thanks for listening. <laughs>